Good morning and welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. Uh, it's the 15th, which would normally be tax day. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. However, it's not, uh, as uh, tax day has been deferred till July. No penalties, no um, interest along with that. So um, a reprieve for many uh, who have to pay. Uh, who choose to not give the government their money interest-free. Because, as a reminder, uh, that's what it is. A lot of people, for some reason, think that when they uh, get that income tax return, that the government is giving them money. In reality, what it is, is that the government has been using their money interest-free for a year and is now giving them some of it back. Or in the case of people who are who get back more than they paid in, um, uh, which is a form of uh, the universal basic income, however it's needs-based and also based on actually working, um, then that's fine, too. I, You know, that's uh, Milton Friedman advanced the idea of uh, a universal basic income, uh, the earned income tax credit, is a version of that, uh, strictly a needs-based and also based on employment. Um, How that's going to work out now with uh, millions and millions unemployed now because of the forced shutdown uh, due to the virus, I'm not sure. Um, And that's kind of, there's a couple things I want to talk about, but before I get into that, there's a couple other things. Um, um, uh, President Obama has now come out and finally introduced the, uh, or has endorsed uh, Joe Biden uh, for the presidential nomination um, now that there's no one left running. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, as I understand, has also this morning done the same. And so, as has Bernie. And so now... Democratic Party is all united behind somebody that can't put a sentence together. Um, the key will be with Joe is who the vice presidential pick is. Um, and who the advisors are. Because to me, it seems unlikely that... that uh, Vice President Biden has the, his wits about him enough to to uh, um, run the country. Now, people, of course, will say the same about Trump. I, I'd say that you can say what you will about Trump, I, but I don't think that anybody controls Trump. He might be crazy. I don't know. Um, but it brings me to another point. There's somebody else that's considering running as an independent, and this is uh, something that's causing me no small concerned simply because it affects the uh, um, the uh, uh, Trump-Biden dichotomy, and, and that is uh, Justin Amash, as a, a representative from Michigan, he quit the Republican Party uh, simply because he felt that they were all lining up with Trump. Um, Justin Amash is a libertarian. I don't think he's actually a member of the Libertarian Party. He's an independent. However, he's libertarian in nature and has consistently voted as such. He voted against, he voted to 
uh, impeach Donald Trump, I believe, um, during the whole impeachment thing. And, and while um, many people can argue one way or the other on that, and, and many people consider Justin Amash a, a never-Trumper, uh, I'm not sure that I put him in that category, even though he seems to have always been a thorn in Trump's side from the very beginning. Um, he needs to be taken seriously. Uh, I know I am taking him seriously simply because this is somebody that has uh, espouses many of the beliefs that I have. And so now that I'm going to have to actually sit down and determine um, the values um, and whether it makes a difference between Trump, who, who, if you'll notice during this whole coronavirus thing, uh, has not, in spite of the Democrats' attempts to get him to take dictatorial power through the uh, uh, Defense Protection Act, I believe that's what it's called, um, has only used that very limitedly. Um, of which I disagree with wholeheartedly that the times that he has. And now he's talking about how he can open up the country. Um, no, he can't. But then again, neither can the governors. Um, and I want to get, that's where I'm going to go in just a second. Um, Justin Amash is somebody that I could support. Um, but it would have to be, it would have to, he would have to be an actual viable candidate uh, to do that. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I would struggle to, um, I mean, I think in Kansas I have the luxury that I could vote for him, um, but to support him financially in what is likely to be a tight race, even though it shouldn't be. Uh, between Trump and Biden, I'm I'm not sure, but he hasn't even announced yet. So for the record, no, he's he he is not officially a candidate, but it does bear watching, simply because he does carry uh, the same beliefs regarding government or the lack thereof that I do. So having said that, let's move on to the to the coronavirus, and, and mostly I don't really want to talk about the virus per se, although, um, like I have mentioned previously, the models seem to keep changing. And remember the models, when they were forecasting hundreds of thousands of deaths, the models factored in flattening the curve with the, the stay-at-home orders. And so people say, well, people are staying at home, and so that's flattening the curve. No, 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 no or that's changing the models. No, that, that was factored into the models. And so there's a couple different theories on why that's happening. One is that the coronavirus is, is far more widespread than what people think, and that many people are either asymptomatic about it or that they may have suffered from uh, some mild uh, flu-like symptoms and just assumed it was the flu. Maybe doctors, you know, before this whole uh, coronavirus thing started, maybe doctors just, just uh, you know, passed it off as the flu and, and told them to go home and rest and, you know, and such. And so, I mean, we won't know unless we start testing every single person in this country. However, um, some very small tests or studies have shown that 
way more people have the virus or testing positive for the virus than what was originally estimated. And this is important because the fatality rate right now um, is only based on people that have actually been tested. And so if the virus is actually far more widespread um, than the, doc the doctors are saying that in reality we might be looking at a virus that has a fatality rate very similar to the seasonal flu outbreak. The reason that it's so drastic is because it kind of came all at once uh, as opposed to spread out from October through, you know, April or May. And so this is something that bears watching. But the, what I really, really want to talk about um, um, with this is freedom and civil rights. Uh, I mentioned in the last time about how some people are now getting on board and some people are concerned. But to quote a famous uh, philosopher, you know, when you're walking on the road, you walk on the right side, you're all right. You're walking on the left side, you're all right. But if you're walking in the middle of the road, sooner or later, squish, just like grape. Uh, that was uh, Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid. Um, civil rights are not half measures. You either have them or you don't. And the problem with this country is that little by little, those rights have been eroding away. We can go back to um, Supreme Court case in the 30s, uh, Miller, which uh, determined that the feds could, uh, that the, perhaps the Second Amendment was not an individual right, and they could regulate um, firearms. Uh, personally, when you consider what the uh, intent of the Second Amendment was for, which was to protect from a tyrannical government, uh, really no firearm should be off the table on that. But most people concede, see, this is, again, that, that compromise. Uh, most people concede that, that some firearm regulation is in order. Um, again, because we gave a little, you end up getting a lot until ultimately you have decisions that, that people are just aghast at. And Heller, which uh, was a federal decision, and then McDonald, which was uh, the one uh, applying Heller essentially to the states and localities that 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 an individual does indeed have the right to own a firearm. And as long as it's a commonly owned firearm, um, then that's acceptable. Still, the the bans or the heavy regulations regarding uh, sawed-off shotguns and, and machine guns, bazookas, nuclear weapons of store, of course, still apply. Um, but we're not talking about uh, the Second Amendment here. We're talking about other things. Uh, in in uh, North Carolina, uh, there was a protest uh, regarding all this stuff that's going on. And the protest was broken up by the police. One person was arrested. Um, and the police uh, said that protesting was considered non-essential. Uh, the police are on record as saying that. So what we have here is the police are saying specifically First Amendment rights do not apply during this time. Again, you either have rights or you don't. And if you have rights, if you only have rights when you're safe and when everything is good, then they're not really rights. It's just privilege.
Because if things go into lockdown and or if things start getting bad and they start saying, well, you really don't need that right, then you're also saying, well, you know, it's all right for the government to go door to door and start collecting guns. Um, or it's all right for the government to take your property. Um, we could also talk about, frankly, the, the, the Civil Rights Act. This is controversial. I don't know why it's controversial, but it is. Government has no business regulating whom a business hires or whom a business serves. Is that a horrible thing to say? Most people would say so, especially in these times, because... So what happened, of course, as you remember, we, there were Jim Crow laws that, that mandated segregation. You know, businesses before Jim Crow did not necessarily segregate. People could and did, I'm sure. I mean, people are, you know, uh, um, people are people. And everybody has their, their, you know, people, you know, discrimination, by the way, is is something that, is not necessarily a bad thing. People say that they have discriminating tastes. It doesn't mean that they're racist, bigots, homophobes. It could mean that they would prefer this over that. Um, but in this case, of course, we're talking about issues of race, gender, etc. cetera. Um, but Jim Crow laws were as, uh, mandated by the state segregation. And when the Civil Rights Act passed, what happened is those laws were wiped out by the federal government and they were replaced with mandated by the state non-discrimination. So in reality, the mandated segregation was replaced by mandated integration. where a private property owner or a business owner could not choose whom he wished to hire, could not choose whom he wished to serve, who his customer, who, who his, what his customer base was. And let the market decide. People think all those businesses were in business to, 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 um, you know, they didn't want to serve blacks or Hispanics. And, of course, today uh, there's there's only one group that is universally criticized. I mean, you go into a lot of restaurants, and, well, you don't go into restaurants anymore, of course. Uh, but what do you see uh, nearly on uh, many, many of them? You see the sign very clearly, and it's legal. No checks allowed. Ha-ha. Private business owners should be able to do what they will. So this is a curbing of their rights. It's it's a compromise. It's well, we're going. Actually, it's not a compromise. It's it's the government gun putting put to the head of the business owner saying, "You will not discriminate, or we will put you in prison." It 
And so what happens, people go through all sorts of motions to appear like they're not discriminating, and then they do what they want anyway. They make their restaurants so that they cater to a certain clientele, you know. If you don't want blacks in, you just put up a bunch of Confederate flags. They won't feel welcome, but you're not discriminating against them. Half measures. Trump doesn't have the right to close the economy or open the economy or close businesses. Unfortunately, states and counties, cities do have the right to do that with business because they control the licensure of, of those businesses, liquor licenses, restaurant licenses, sales tax collection, etc. They can they can shut a business down. And so when the state or whatever entity mandates that you have to close because of this, that, or the other, unfortunately those businesses have to comply. Now, am I saying that's a good thing for everybody to be out mingling with each other during a time of, of a pandemic? No, I'm not saying that. People have to be responsible. But I'm also saying that if you have a civil right, it's a right. Whether times are good or whether times are not good. And if you don't have it when times are not good, when protest is considered non-essential, and so it's banned, think about that for a minute. What else could be considered non-essential? They also talk about having to carry immunity certificates. How do you feel about that? One thing I wouldn't be opposed to, uh, as far as voter ID goes, is how about creating a national voter database based on the real ID um, system. DHS already has it set up. People already have to send stuff in through that. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, allergies. And... You can't catch it through a microphone, even if I had it. Um, that would certainly impact voter fraud, wouldn't it? I mean, you have to have you have to have an ID to go and get real Sudafed, and states give them away if you have proper documentation. I hate the thought of a national database about that, but I'm not sure that I would disagree with that. Because that would purge all the roles. If you moved, it wouldn't matter because you would still be in the system. But what it would do would be eliminate all the uh, BS. Anyway, have a wonderful day. Snake River Lib, and remember, um, your rights are your rights. There, and it doesn't matter whether times are good or not. And government should not. Government can only take them away. 
They're not granted to you by government. Have a great day.